It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You are on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. And remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomklein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. Let's jump right into it. I'm thrilled to be joined by my very first guest, Amanda Slady, who is the Chief Executive Officer at Vital Circle. And Amanda is a Chicago-based executive who is an experienced founder with a demonstrated history of working in the human resources industry. And what I find fascinating about what's going on right now in the world with COVID is there is an opportunity to make a difference. And Amanda has jumped right in. So Amanda, welcome to Get Down to Business. Thank you, Shalom. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you. So let's talk about you for a moment. Let's talk about your experience. I know you are super involved in community, uh, community organizations, and you have quite a track record in business. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what led to the founding in April of Vital Circle. Yeah, so I, you know, I have over 25 years of experience within the healthcare um, internal company operations um, the venture capital world, um, but focused primarily within organizations that were focused on healthcare um, companies, either in the payer provider or biotech space. Um, and so I have spent, um, you know, all of my years of experience running businesses, looking at, you know, businesses and pain points, and really helping them to identify, um, you know, areas of growth or growth opportunities for them. Um, and so, you know, when COVID hit uh, last March, um, obviously, you know, many businesses had to pivot and figure out what was next and what they were going to do next. Um, and actually uh, was introduced to uh, Becky Fox, who is the chief nursing informatics officer at Atrium Health. Um, and Becky, with a group of individuals, had actually come up with the idea of Vital Circle through a hackathon. Um, and really, you know, from that hackathon, it was an open source hackathon where you could really, you know, decide if you wanted to take on the business and, and move it forward. And she had decided that she wanted to and reached out to me and we got connected and we built Vital Circle from that hackathon. Um, and that was, you know, in April of last year, it has been a wild ride in such a short amount of time. I can't believe it's almost been a year. Um, but Vital Circle itself is uh, focused right now on COVID. We do have plans to expand beyond COVID. Um, you know, and what we call, we lovingly call internally here, Vital Circle 2.0. Um, but Vital Circle right now is, as I said, based on COVID, we are a web-based uh, COVID-19 daily symptom tracking app um, used for employers. We've, you know, we've had huge success in events, um, schools and organizations to really be able to see the health of their population um, and, you know, identify individuals who may be symptomatic or COVID positive. Wow. Um, it's such an important uh, need. And we've, you know, we're, we've all become very familiar with that term that we've probably never heard of before of contact tracing. Um, but certainly, uh, I actually was just contacted um, by, uh, by some folks yesterday and uh, surveying your population, whether it's uh, your employee base 
or your uh, if you're running events, and I can't wait to get back to those in-person events and being able to engage, that's super important. So let's, I love what you said of Vital Circle 2.0 and looking beyond COVID. So mm-hmm. what are some of the potential uses for Vital Circle? What are, what's that core problem that you're hoping to solve? Yeah, I mean, so right now, I mean, we have the web-based uh, daily symptom tracking app, which is really helping, you know, those HR um, and leaders to identify and use data and analytics to identify those individuals in their population who may be symptomatic or COVID positive. Um, and then as you, you know, talked about, and I didn't really dig into, um, we have integrated in a wearable contact tracing device um, that is non-GPS. It has no biometric data. So it's not, you know, it's not like a smartwatch where it's, you know, recording the number of steps or stairs you've taken. Um, and there's no reliance on your individual cell phone. So it's literally a small device that um, your population or individuals within your group are wearing. And what's happening is the device is looking for another device. So it's recording de- device-to-device interactions. So it's recording the date, um, the duration of the inter- interaction, and then the distance of the interaction. So really what it's providing is that data and analytics to leaders and the HR managers who are really the ones who right now are responsible for managing the health of their populations um, to identify, you know, so Shalom, you know, you wake up tomorrow with a temperature of 103, and loss of taste and smell, we can go back and say, okay, you're wearing device A, you know, who have you had significant contact with over the last, say, 5, 10, 14 days? Um, So we can do a search based on device A. It'll give us a report out and show us, okay, device B, who Amanda was wearing, has had, you know, 25 minutes at six feet or less with Shalom in the last week. You know, even though Amanda's not showing symptoms or, you know, popped up as COVID positive, we should reach out to her and say, listen, we, you know, to mitigate the risk of continued spread within our group of people, whether that's an employee group or an event group, um, we're asking that you work from home. You know, you don't attend the event, you know, that you quarantine and isolate, maybe get a test. And so what this is happening or what is, what's doing is creating a situation where, you know, Shalom's, you know, COVID positive or COVID symptomatic, he's, you may have, you know, exposed myself. Um, but then I'm not exposing Bob and Jane and, and Billy and everybody else. And then all of a sudden going from having, you know, one COVID positive person to 50 people and having to shut down, you know, your plant or your office space. Um, so it really is providing that data and analytics that leaders need to manage the population. Well, Amanda, as long as you're not contact tracing my Zoom interaction, then we're okay. <laughs> I, I do a lot of that these days. Um, but uh, again, I'm, ch- I'm chatting with Amanda Slady, who is the chief executive of Vital Circle, and we will make sure in just a few minutes to make sure our, our listeners, employers throughout um, the Chicagoland area and throughout the country um, know how they can contact you so they can take advantage. I want to spend the remainder of our time together talking about entrepreneurship um, because yeah. it takes a lot for an executive like yourself to make a pretty dramatic shift in such a short period of time. And you're continuing to evolve, as you said, from the COVID solutions to making sure the Vital Circle 2.0 is being responsive to the needs of industry. So Amanda, tell us about that experience and tell us about the team you are working with. Yeah, so I mean, we have a great team, um, you know, that individuals who are working across the United States. So it's great. I feel like I feel like I could be working from 7 a.m. to, you know, probably midnight every day, given that everybody's working on, you know, different shifts. Um, You know, I think, you know, for me to take the leap of moving into this was a a pretty big leap. I've enjoyed the ride. We're still on this crazy COVID ride, as I jokingly call it. Um, You know, not that COVID's funny at all, but, um, you know, we um, are continuing to expand the business. As we said, you know, the thing that we're looking at is, you know, what happens post-COVID? 
Um, you know, I think there is going to be a new normal, although I hate that, you know, new term for what we're going to be. Um, but I think we're going to always be living with COVID. And how do we as a population manage that? Um, you know, I mean, you look at the, you know, what the herd immunity numbers are, you know, we need between 75 to 80% herd immunity. But in, you know, 2019, only 46% of adult Americans got the flu vaccine. And the flu vaccine has been around since, you know, the 50s. Um, so, you know, and then we've also got a third to a half of the population of the United States that doesn't really believe that COVID exists or believes the numbers of COVID. So I think getting to that herd immunity number is going to be hard. Um, and so, you know, we really see that even with people getting the vaccine, a need to track the health of your population. Um, I also think that, you know, beyond COVID, you know, we're going to be able to use this technology to manage, you know, flu and the influenza and, you know, other pandemics and other infectious diseases are going to come along that are going to need to be tracked and looked at from a population standpoint. Wow. Um, you've got your work cut out and <laughs> I know you're working with amazing people and with uh, your agility and uh, that's what entrepreneurs have is that, uh, is that experience. So Amanda, uh, final question for you. What is the one thing that you've learned in this journey that you would want entrepreneurs tuning in to put into practice in their own businesses? Oh my gosh, only one thing. Um, you know, I think my big one thing is um, make sure you have the right partners. Um, you know, for us, we have an awesome development partner in Project Sparrow. Um, and I can reach out to them and, you know, they drop anything to fix something or fix the app. Um, so it's really making sure that your, you know, employees, your vendors, your team are as dedicated as you are to, you know, getting the work done and being part of the solution. Um, and also, you know, identifying those people who maybe aren't on the ride like you are and cutting your losses sooner than later. So, you know, that's always the hard you know, decision to have to make as a leader is, you know, who comes along and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but that's why you're a leader. Great, great advice. So Amanda, we are running out of time and I want to make sure our listeners know where they can learn yeah. more about your important work. Can you share some contact information? Yeah. So we have, you know, our website, you can reach us at uh, www.vitalcircle.health. Um, we're also on every social media platform. Um, so feel free to, you know, LinkedIn me, Twitter me, Facebook me, we're all there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. As long as you don't get close, uh, you won't show up in the contact tracing. So there we go. Exactly. Vital, exactly. <laughs> Vitalcircle.health. Check it out. Um, again, we've been chatting with Amanda Slady, who really very, very interesting story and journey. And we appreciate you sharing it. And speaking of journeys, we will be continuing our conversation throughout this hour with amazing guests all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on my website, shalomkline.com. We will squeeze in a quick break and be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So I'm super excited. We've had this on the calendar for a little while. I'm joined by Aaron Minkley, the author of Artists Who Thrive, which is now available on Amazon and so many other places. And uh, Aaron, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's so great to, uh, to have you. So uh, you wear many titles. You have many, many hats. Um, you're an author but you're also an entrepreneur. So I want to start with that. Um, can you describe your path to becoming an entrepreneur, to being an entrepreneur? And um, it's, you're in a creative line of work. So where do those two worlds collide? Yeah, sure. Um, I actually feel like I have probably been meant to be an entrepreneur for my entire life, um, but I am trained as a visual artist. 
and I got my master's degree in fine arts in 2012 and set out to be a teacher. So I was teaching college for a little while. Um, and after that, picked up some part-time jobs working in print manufacturing. And because my expertise was in screen printing, um, worked for about a year and a half in a wallpaper factory and just fell in love with the process of screen printed wallpaper. And I decided about a year and a half in working there that I'm an artist. Why am I not doing this myself? I think I'm going to start a business. And it was kind of the craziest thing I had ever done. Most people did not expect me to do it. And I started my own wallpaper company. So I now design and manufacture luxury wall coverings for residential and commercial use. And um, it was through that that I really got to become uh, the CEO of my own life. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. And we're, we're all home for the most part. And so uh, being comfortable in your surroundings is so important, but you are, you are an artist, you are an entrepreneur, but you're also an author. So you wrote the book, Artists Who Thrive. Why did you write that book? Why is the image of the starving artist not a realistic one? Mm, interesting. Well, yeah, so we are all home, right? And COVID started and I decided that if I was going to have to um, let go of my office manager and run this business completely on my own, I needed a creative outlet and I wanted to sort of level up. I've been, I had been in business for five years and I wanted to be considered an, more of an expert in my field. And so a lot of the business seminars that I was going to was saying, why don't you write a book? And I thought, okay, what am I an expert at? I would love to write a book about wallpaper, but I don't really want to go down in history as the wallpaper lady. Like, I, I don't think that that's my legacy here. Um, so what I, what I decided to do is tell a little bit of my story of how I went from being a fine artist to being an entrepreneur, because most people's misconception is that you can't do that. You can't go from being a starving artist to a successful business owner. Um, and I think that a lot of people even encourage their children not to become artists or study art in college because they don't think it's lucrative. And so I um, kind of set out to demystify what it means to start a business as an artist and show people that heck yeah, they can do that. And here's a little of my story and how I did it. Uh, I Obviously, I encourage everybody tuning in to uh, get a copy of the book, Artists Who Thrive. Uh, it's available on Amazon. We'll provide, uh, obviously, your website and more contact information in just a few minutes. But artists do have a stereotype. Um, there is a stereotype and the most creative people out there. Um, but certainly, it's, you know, artists and entrepreneur usually are not used in the same uh, sentence. So mm -hmm. I'm curious why you think that artists don't do enough to promote their businesses. Are they changing their game plans, especially when people can't see them at in-person events thanks to COVID-19? How is that world, that hat that you wear as an artist? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it's funny because as I was thinking, as you were saying that, I thought artists and entrepreneurs are the same thing. And I absolutely think that if you're not like someone who can draw and paint, it doesn't mean that this book isn't for you. Um, being an entrepreneur is one of the most creative things that you can do, especially when you're designing or creating something unique that's your own. It's um, using your imagination, right? Um, 
the idea before the product and having faith that it's going to work out. Um, and so I think that artists and entrepreneurs really are one and the same, but I think the misconception is that they're two different hats and you can only wear one. Um, I think the artists are actually primed to be the best entrepreneurs because from the get-go, they are thinking outside the box. We don't typically follow the rules. We don't typically want structure. Um, we create ways of doing things in our own way, even if it's quirky. And so I think that artists um, have a unique position where if only they were to think of themselves as a business and allow themselves to make money doing what they're doing, um, it's a mindset that they would be able to really thrive. So uh, here on Get Down to Business, we talk with a lot of folks. And no doubt there are artists that are tuning in and they surely will be inspired by what you are doing and the, the impact that you are having really on, a, on an entire industry as a whole. So I'm curious, beyond the book, what are some of the things that you can share to encourage artists to grow their businesses? And I know you talk about some of them in the books, and I don't want you to share uh, all of the secrets and the that, that <laughs> recipe, um, but tell us a little bit about some of the things that on a very personal level, you've seen have an impact on your business. Yeah, and I'm happy to share my recipe um, because for each person, it's a little bit different. Um, you can't remake it exactly how I did it. But I'm also just so excited about the techniques in this book. So the book is in three sections. The first is about resilience and really overcoming all the hurdles and all the obstacles. And many times you'll be told no and be turned away. Um, the second section is about relationships. And if the people that surround you and your sphere of influence right now aren't helping you get ahead, you may need to build a new network. You may need to hire someone. You may need to meet a graphic designer. And so um, I really encourage people to ask for help, get new audience, get new networks. And um, the third section of the book is about results. I wish that I could just jump to the end and say, here's how to get rich. One, two, three. But if you don't master the first part and the second part, you'll never get to the results. And so it's funny, the shortest part of the book is the end. The, the longest part is the beginning where it's really about mindset um, and priming your brain to allow for you to become successful. Wow. Well, uh, you, you've shared a lot already, and I'm excited for what's coming your way. Again, I'm chatting with Aaron Minkley, uh, who is the author of Artists Who Thrive, available on Amazon. Um, and Aaron, this is, uh, this is an important book, but I have a feeling there's a lot more um, both in your business as well as maybe even books, uh, maybe some additional recipes, as we said a moment ago, that might be coming. So what are your future plans? Yeah, so I would love to spend 2021 marketing this book, um, but also I have a plan to teach online courses for artists and creative people um, based on the content of the book. I'm going to launch a workbook so, and an audiobook so that people can listen along and do exercises and activities from the book. And I, in January, started my own podcast um, by the same title as the book. So doing a lot of crazy things, um, lots of new stuff, and um, mostly sinking a lot of my energy into Artists Who Thrive, um, as well as trying to launch another wallpaper collection 
in 2021. <laughs> That's awesome. You've got your work cut out and 2021 is going to be a great year um, yes. with, uh, with so, so much in store. So uh, your book is amazing. And I want to make sure our listeners know where they can get a copy of it and know where they can get in touch with you for both your services, as well as to continue this conversation that we've had here and get down to business. Where can people reach you? Sure. So they can find my book on Amazon. Um, you can also find it on my website. It's profitableartist.org. Um, my email is hello at profitableartist.org. So if you want to reach out and know more, I have uh, the ability to do a 30-minute consultation with anyone who's feeling stuck, doesn't know where to start, and wants a little bit of guidance. Um, but yeah, you can find many resources on my blog and um even a calendar that's for sale on my website. So get yourself motivated in 2021 um, to thrive. Well, you've already motivated me. You've certainly motivated our listeners. And I very, very much appreciate you joining us. Aaron Minkley, Artists Who Thrive, visit, visit ProfitableArtist.org. Uh, and uh, what a great conversation. Looking forward to staying in touch. And we are going to squeeze in some headlines. A quick break. Be sure to check out our sponsors, ChicagoSignatureLimo.com, as well as HealthPlanChicago.com. Again, we're going to squeeze in a quick break here and get down to business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. So my next guest, truly fascinating, Tom Hine is a fourth degree black belt in Shotokan karate and a 25-year veteran of the financial services industry. He's acquired seven wealth management firms. Tom, welcome to the program. Thanks, and uh, glad to share some ideas with your great audience. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure. So, Tom, you have covered so much in business. You are a business owner yourself, but you also help many entrepreneurs, but I like to get to know the person behind the microphone. So Tom, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've developed your uh, sort of direction in uh, acquisition, as well as your expertise in financial services. Sure. Well, the quick story was my parents, when I was in college outside of Boston, Mass, where I grew up, I live in Connecticut now, but um, they had a stock that they held and they weren't sure if they should sell it or not. I was always interested in the stock market and it was called Prime Computer Company in the day. And I happened to be doing a summer internship at Prime. And this is way before the cell phone and the internet. And one day on a Friday, seven executive vice presidents quit the firm. I later found out to form a competitor. And I came home that night at dinner. I said to mom and dad, I said, I don't think about the stock market, but I know that seven important people left and you should sell on Monday. So my dad did. My dad called his broker. His broker said, you're crazy. It's a great company. Long story short, they made a lot of money, enough to put a down payment on a small cottage on Cape Cod. So that got me thinking, maybe I have some sort of talent. And eventually, um, I went to undergraduate degree at UConn in finance, got my MBA, worked for Arthur Anderson slash Accenture for a few years, and then formed my own wealth management business in the early 1990s. Oh, wow. What a, what a journey. And it sounds like you're still on that journey. So you wrote a book called The Zen of Business Acquisitions. What an interesting title. What, what, is, what does the title mean? And what is the, the core problem that you're hoping to solve for your readers? Great. Thanks. Uh, number one, uh, ben, having been in the wealth management business you know, forever, I noticed there are a lot of older advisors who are literally you know, dying with their boots on, people that were dying before they were doing the succession and continuity planning. 
And I thought, what a shame. They had worked 20, 30, 40, 50 years and didn't pass on the business. So I interviewed some of the top people in the wealth management arena from Carson Wealth Management in Omaha, Nebraska, to the people echelon in California. And I got their wisdom of how they created these succession continuity plans. And the Zen aspect comes from the fact that I've taught and trained in martial arts for 35 years. So I wanted to have a health element of the book where I talk about it's not how much money you make, but it's what you do with your life. And more importantly, don't work you know, beyond the point where it affects your health. Uh, very, very interesting. So in the world of financial services, there's a lot of people out there that are in your line of work. How are you any different? Great question. Well, number one, we have a very unique investment process, which is based on relative strength, and that would be its own you know, hour-long discussion. But number two, um, we take a very different approach when we're meeting with the clients. We focus a lot more on family values and long-term intergenerational goals than just how much money can I make, which is important too, but a lot of times it's more family-oriented. So those two things really set us apart. That's awesome. And um, Tom, uh, we touched briefly on your uh, background. Uh, you are a fourth-degree black belt. So how do those worlds collide, all of those different hats that you wear? What are some of the lessons from your uh, maybe called hobbies? Um, and how does that tie into your, uh, into your business and most importantly, into your clients? Yeah, so martial arts, like other endeavors, like yoga and other things, has a big history behind it. You know, integrity, true, those things matter. So that world uh, collided one day when I realized that I was helping someone else sell their business. I said, you know, um, I can get good at this. I can get good at helping people figure out how to create their succession continuity plan. So all the years of training and teaching and helping others kind of morphed into this point of taking what I know in the investment world and helping those that want to transition to a new life. Amazing. Awesome. So in our very brief time remaining, what is the one lesson you want to share with our listeners, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, that they should put in practice in the week ahead? Yeah, I'll give you a 1A and a 1B. 1A is always focus on your health and wellness first, which I've listened to some of your other great podcasts about that topic. Health and wellness matter throughout your life, more when you're older, but throughout your life, focus on health and wellness. And number two, never do an acquisition, never feel like you have to be willing to walk away from any deal, because if you have the power to walk away from any deal, you'll actually increase your confidence when a good deal comes up. Those are the big lessons I would take away. Such great takeaways. So uh, again, I've been chatting with Tom Hind, who is the CEO and principal of Capital Wealth Management, uh, which is based in Connecticut, but I know you are having an impact throughout the country. Also through your book, which was recently published, The Zen of Business Acquisitions. So Tom, you've shared a lot. Where can people learn more about you as well as the book? Yeah, so it's on Amazon. It was actually a number one early release when it launched last year. Um, now the audio book is going to be released in about 20 days on Amazon. So if you look up the Zen of Business Acquisitions on Amazon, you'll find me. Otherwise, you can go right to the old www.capitalwm.com, C-A-P-I-T-A-L-W-M.com. And that's our website. It can bring you all sorts of great ideas, either for personal planning or if you're looking to transition your wealth management practice. 
I appreciate you sharing your expertise with our listeners. Thank you so much, Tom Hein, Capital Wealth Management, the Zen of Business Acquisitions. We'll have you back here real soon. You're listening to it. To get down to business, we'll be right back. Thanks. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. I am so excited to be joined by Robert Klinkenbeard, who is the CEO of the Radix Group. And I'll let our listeners guess where Robert is from once we start our conversation. So I'm not going to leave with his uh, where he was born and raised, but uh, he is a serial entrepreneur, an author, a uh, senior leader, and a four-time Ironman. So Robert Klinkenbeard, welcome to Get Down to Business. Yeah, thanks very much, Shalom. Really nice to meet you. It's great to have you. So again, this this will be fun, and I want our listeners to get a hold of me uh, through uh, through my website. You could put your uh, your guesses in of where uh, Robert Klinkenbeard is from. We'll probably end up covering that in our conversation. <laughs> so, Robert, you wear many many hats. You are an Iron Man, but you are also, uh, as we said, the CEO of the Radix Group. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I um. I'm now uh, you know, a business coach. I uh, started up my coaching firm three years ago after I sold my business. So I had a large commercial landscape company and a real estate company in Arizona and sold that back in 16 and then worked for a couple of years for the parent company and decided I didn't enjoy working for other people. So I, I moved into doing business coaching and scaling up. So now I've been doing coaching individual clients. I have some peer groups. Uh, so, yeah, I, I enjoy helping others. I, I like making impact on other people, especially business owners. So you are a man of many hats and many titles. We've covered a couple of them already. And uh, I, uh, I know, as we said, you are very athletic. You've, uh, you've uh, participated in uh, rugby. Uh, I mean, you've, you've played rugby. You've probably participated in some tournaments. Who, who knows what? Um, but you're an <laughs> athlete. So where, where do those hats collide? Where does, where does um, your athletic uh, and maybe that co- competitive spirit uh, tie in with your business experience? I mean, that's, that's part of the reason why I, I wrote my book is, I mean, I've always grown up playing sports. It was started off with uh, football or soccer, and then went into rugby and as I start to get a little bit older, my, my body starts to suffer a little bit. So I, I went into running, doing some triathlons. And, and I, you know, my, my dad has written a lot of books. And, you know, I just had this, you know, idea one day. There's a, how, how do the two correlate between competitive sports and then in business? And I started to write a book about, you know, roadmaps and being disciplined. And so that, that was really the start of that whole journey. And I've just been on that uh, on my soapbox per se for the last few years talking about that. Well, I'm glad you are on that soapbox. Um, your uh, motto at your company at the Radix Group is cultivate business growth through personal growth. So if you don't mind, let's get personal for a moment. Um, you've been on a journey. You've talked a little bit about it over the past few minutes. You've been on that personal journey. How has your own experiences um, sort of uh, led itself to how you work with, with companies and individuals and maybe share a couple of examples of people, success stories that you've been able to have. No, absolutely. Um, I think um, probably started when I first joined the organization called Entrepreneurs Organization or EO. Uh, I felt as though I was decent at business, but I quickly found out that I was <laughs> nowhere near. I was making too many mistakes in business. So once I joined that organization, then I was just surrounded by other business owners who were not only having their own business challenges, but also personal challenges. 
So it really opened up my eyes. I, I really did need to be more well-rounded in how I you know, became a better personally, better father, husband, and then better in business as well. So almost like working on those three different dimensions. And um, I think just be, being part of that group and then just opening in my eyes, uh, reducing my ego a little bit and just being open to be, you know, be, to being worked on. Absolutely. And again, chatting with Robert Lincoln Baird. Um, and Robert, you have, uh, you co-founded one of the largest landscape companies in the Southwest region of the United States back in 2001. I know you uh, have since sold that $20 million company and now you have several franchises, multiple real estate investments. And as we just said, the largest uh, peer group facilitation company in the United States. So since you had uh, over 350 employees and uh, I'm curious, what, what are some of the principles, what are some of the lessons for our listeners um, that they can take away in the week ahead uh, to put into practice? I think the main principles needs to start with people, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people. Again, I, I felt as though I, I knew it all, but, uh, and I knew all my clients, but I quickly found that we were beginning to lose jobs. I was less in touch. So I felt as though the first thing I needed to do was to bring the right people, surround myself with the right people in the company. So that was a you know, journey over a year, two years to bring on the right people, going through the right uh, recruitment tactics. And then once they were on board, making sure they're being onboarded correctly, they realized the things they should be doing correctly, you know, what are some of the KPIs to make them successful. And then, you know, set them up for success, give them all the tools they need and almost treat their own branch as their own business. I just provide the coaching and tools and help the need to be successful. So, you know, I eventually got to those employees that became senior leaders in the company and they were instrumental in getting my company to, to that next level. I see we were, we were nearly up to 400 employees. We were in multiple states. But if it wasn't for the people around me, especially those middle senior managers, then there's no way I could have done that myself. Wow. Uh, it's all about the people for sure. And um, we're going to have to squeeze in a very quick break. But uh, final question for now is how were you able to train 20 plus hours a week, but still run a $20 million business? Uh, people, getting the right people in place. So they, they took a lot of the, the you know, weight off my shoulders and then being super disciplined about my time. I mean, yes, I did get up early, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, but I was training, you know, three or four hours a day. So to have those right people around me, being disciplined, yeah. blocking off my time. I'm picking um, up a theme. Helped. It's all about the people. It's all about the people, and, and that's for sure. So again, chatting with Robert, Robert Clinkenbeard, who is the author of Iron Man Mindset for Entrepreneurs. We're going to continue our conversation with Robert, talk about some of the podcast he hosts, as well as, uh, well, frankly, we'll talk about where he's from and, and why that is perhaps an advantage in coaching U.S. business owners. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back. We are continuing our conversation with Robert Klinkenbeard, who is the CEO of the Radix Group. And uh, I teased it just before the break, but um, Robert, uh, you know, I think most of our listeners, uh, I know I'm hearing from our listeners, they guessed you're from Scotland. And uh, I'm curious, is that an advantage or disadvantage in, uh, as you came here and you're now coaching uh, so many U.S. business owners through your multiple entities? I would say there's more advantages and disadvantages. I mean, obviously, the accent uh, helps me become more uh, memorable. People definitely remember me. 
sometimes I'll wear kilts to some of my events, so that's always pretty memorable. And then, uh, you know, as a lot of people know, Scottish are super hardworking. They're just really determined, somewhat slightly hard-headed. But uh, I think that hard work ethic, I, I certainly try to display that in my coaching and trying to help others with that hard work. Uh, it's, it's great and certainly memorable for uh, for all of us. So, Robert, you host uh, you host the podcast, which uh, I know you've been doing for a little while. I believe it's a weekly uh, conversations called the Commercial Landscaper. Tell us how that came to be, and tell us a little bit about the conversations you have on the show. Yeah, just I felt um, I, I have a message, um, and I'm surrounded by so many people within my network, whether it be in the green industry or other industries or part of EO. So I wanted to make sure that you know people heard all these great messages from these thought leaders, and I thought, what's the best way to do that? And you know, obviously, podcast is a great quick way of doing that and just a quick deliverable message or a couple of you know, takeaways. So yeah, I've definitely ramped up the podcast over the last few months and uh, I'm beginning to, to get some good traction. That's exciting. Well, I hope our listeners will check it out. And uh, while you're checking out uh, the commercial landscaper, make sure you're uh, clicking subscribe on that show as well as uh, wherever you're tuning in, uh, click subscribe, uh, rate, review, share also here and get down to business. Um, But Robert, um, you have, as I said, merged all of the different hats that you wear, um, both being a business executive, um, but also being an Ironman. And um, that's the the title of uh, the book uh, that's out there. So I don't want you to share all of the secrets, but tell us a little bit about some of the lessons that you uh, propose for entrepreneurs that are out there? Probably two big lessons would be, uh, again, surrounding yourself with the right people. And in, in this case, I'm talking about more uh, coaches, mentors, because, you know, typical business owner is not an expert at everything, but find out where you're weak at. What are some of the things you need help on? Now, for me, it was um, financials. I was terrible at financials. So I quickly early on, I brought in a fractional CFO to help us out. And it's the same with um, triathlons and Ironman. I'm terrible at swimming. Uh, so I brought in a uh, swim coach. I brought in a bike coach. So try and figure out what are the areas that you need help in because you're definitely not an expert and, and utilize, lean on those experts. Um, so I'd say that's probably one of the, the biggest challenges. And then, you know, every day in business or training for triathlons, you're going to come across challenging situations so, again, lean into those challenges, pick yourself back up. I would get injured, I would have some accidents, and it's the same in business. I would, I would go through lawsuits, I would have key people leaving. So you're going to be hit with those. It's just a case of how you deal with that. And so I would just say lean into those challenges. There's always good things happen on the other side of fear. So lean into those challenges, learn from them, pick yourself back up, and you know, continue on your journey. Well, that's a lot of uh, lessons. I'm not an Ironman, but uh, I've run some marathons and, and it's, uh, you certainly, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, so, uh, Robert, final question. Have you continued in 2020 and into 2021 uh, training and competing? I, I, I've got another half Ironman uh, lined up for this year. I'll probably do an Ironman next year. Obviously a little bit challenging with the travel, but uh, my wife loves sure. the destination races. So uh, she wants to go abroad and do an Ironman. <laughs> Robert, where can people learn more about you? Uh, try uh, the Radix Group, LLC.com, my website, um, or they can even email me directly at Robert at the Radix Group, LLC.com, and happy to provide a, a free copy of my, my digital book. So, uh, but yeah, happy to hear from people and answer the questions. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Get Down to Business. What a great bunch of conversations today. We'll be back next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560, The Answer to Success. Let's get down to business.